Hi, welcome to Relationship Matters, a mental health podcast where two relational psychotherapists dive into topics that you actually want to know more about. My name is Jason. And I'm Carling. And we're all about improving connections. And enhancing relationships. And today, 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 what a day. What are we going to be talking about today, Carling? Well, what we're going to be talking about today is emotional intelligence, which is about paving the way to stronger relationships. I know, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I... folks might be tuning in to our tagline about improving connection, enhancing relationships, right? And this is what, this is what informed us of our decision on what to talk about today, right? Is we want to, we want to show you how (laughs) to do this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as you all know, those of you listening, so uh, we have Relationship Matters Therapy Center as our clinic, um, which if you're curious, by all means, relationshipmatterstherapy.com. We're on there. And if you want to check us out, please go ahead and do that. Um, But we do have a a tagline that we talk about at the beginning of each episode, uh, at the end of each episode, and it's everywhere because it kind of informs us as, as a center as a practice and it's this idea of improving these connections and enhancing these relationships um, for very important reasons so before going into emotional intelligence and what all of that is let's actually sit with the the flip side of that right Mm -hmm. and and thinking more around well um if we need to get to emotional intelligence what happens when it's not there what would that look like yeah i think most of us are maybe far too familiar of what happens when it's, you know, when the emotional intelligence piece isn't there. I can speak for myself and a lot of the clients um, that that I work with. It can bring a tremendous amount of conflict in, in folks' relationships. Uh, and it can also make us feel sometimes isolated and, and really disconnected from the sense of belonging, which is a human need. You know, we're social beings. Jason, you and I have talked about that in previous podcast episodes that mm-hmm. we're just high, hardwired, right? Our, our brains are and our hearts are designed to want to connect socially with other people. And so when we can't, uh, or at least not in a fulfilling way, that can be um, tremendously painful for many of us. And we certainly can provide examples of what we've seen, right, Jason? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that that pain absolutely comes across in in a lot of the sessions that you and I both have, right? And I, I think for those of, of uh, for those of you listening, just thinking about, well, what are some pain points that I'm experiencing in relationships uh, that I'm in right now? And I, I wouldn't be surprised if if you would highlight uh themes of conflict uh, between you and somebody else, that somebody else sometimes being uh, someone who means something to you in some capacity, be it a friend, a family member, a partner, etc. cetera. Uh, the flip side of that, uh, if it's not themes of conflict, then we can talk about themes or you highlighting themes of uh, just not feeling super close or not feeling super connected. So some distancing, uh, in this relationship where we're kind of living parallel to one another, as opposed to really living simultaneously, symbiotically one, like intermingling, so to speak. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, that makes total sense. I am nodding my head a lot right now. You guys can't see that, but it was just like, <laughs> yes, I think that it really reflects a lot of what um, people I know are experiencing 
like say for example living with a partner or having lots of friends but still feeling lonely right because there's that lack of uh connection feeling or at least less connection feeling than what they want and it's sort of going through the motions and maybe living one's life with another person but almost feeling like they're just they're just there not really Mm -hmm. like that fulfillment or that sense of belonging that you know expressions of mutual vulnerability just aren't happening and Mm -hmm. it's like okay to the outside that looks like we're in a good place but internally not really feeling those beautiful feelings that we just that i just named there right See, Carly, mm-hmm. for me, when you when you say that, the the word that comes to mind uh, immediately is is presence. Is mm. is this because of absence? Like we're not there on the outside; it looks nice, uh, but on the inside, eh, not so much. Like, well, things that might be contributing to that for me is, well, are you there? Are you are you present in the relationship, or vice versa? Is my partner or this other person, whoever that is? family member, friend, whatever, are, are they present or do I feel their presence? That's that to me, that's what comes to mind. Oh, that makes total sense to me. Uh, I think too, um, it's understanding what does present being present mean, right? And we'll talk later about, you know, some ways in, in which to identify this in yourself, but it's not only your own presence, but also the presence of the people around you. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we're taken out of the sense of being in the moment for a lot of different reasons in our in our culture, um, but that can have really detrimental effects of our feelings of belonging, feeling fulfilled socially, and that doesn't mean just with partners, let's say, but also like you've been saying, friendships, family members, sometimes their own kids. If, if we're parents, right, is really are we feeling that deep connection with our kids? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. and. A question comes to mind, and I'd be curious to know what it is that that you think about this. But when it comes to that icky feeling that we were kind of describing before that might not be seen on the outside, um, is presence all that it takes to fill that or to change that ickiness? Mm. What are your thoughts? My gut is saying there's more to it mm. than just than just presence and the reason being is i've had situations where i feel fully present in the moment when i'm around somebody else i can tell that they're distant they're not there mm. with me and how painful that at least for me that can be and i see that with you know couples i work with where one partner might be super engaged in the couple's therapy process and the other person's kind of checked out whether they recognize that or not and how that in itself can be a bit of a emotional injury between the two people in the room Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. And I think, so I think there's more to the story than just presence. Like one person's present, maybe if, if both or all people's presence in the really are present in the relationship, that might be, um, you know, very connecting, but I think there is more to that story, which we'll, we'll talk a bit about later. Um, that's in addition to, to presence. Yeah. How about you? What do you think about that piece? Yeah. For me, uh, it takes me, I I really like uh, pain. Like I I think quite visually uh, and in my mind, I I like to keep things a lot more simple for trying to understand concepts. So for me, when I'm thinking of, of presence, there's kind of this, 
I don't want to say tension, but like there's this this both and like a, a black and white, like option A and option B situation, right? So option A uh, is if option A were presence and you're present, uh, I wonder what option B is. And if I were to swap words out and just add uh, A words just because um, presence, I'll swap that out with um, availability. Hmm. Okay. So are you are you available? Are you present? Like, okay, that's one thing. On the flip side, if you're if you're available, great. Like if you're physically there, but as you were saying, you, you still feel distant, even though you're like right next to me. I still feel that distance. But hey, hang on, I'm available. What really is the problem? Because all you're really saying is I need to just be here. Well, what is option B? And so for me, B is if it's not just about availability, it has to also be about accessibility. Tell me about that. So if you're physically available, if you're present, if you're there, if your body is there, that's cute. Great. You're taking up space, literally. Cute. It looks like you're doing the right thing. But if it comes to this this piece of emotional uh, accessibility, am I if you're the person saying that I'm distant, what am I doing to sort of prevent you from accessing me at an emotional level? So there has to be something about emotional availability, but also emotional accessibility. I, I'm sure I, I'll be there for you. Like, whoa, that sucks, man. But if I'm not also making my emotions or my other, the other parts of me accessible to you, then we're like that, that essence, that, that, unknown thing that that je ne sais quoi that that piece of of just the ways that we describe life just isn't present here in this relationship so it kind of it feels void of meaning sometimes you know so yeah I don't know what are what are your thoughts there I just want to say I'm totally feeling you on that I love what you you made that distinction between availability and accessibility and explained it quite beautifully. And I, I think it's also what comes to mind for me is our, it's my own emotional experience accessible to myself. I think some of us are, or at least at times for probably all of us, sometimes we're not connected to ourselves and, and our feelings. Right. Mm-hmm. And that I think does require accessibility, um, and to like with self-reflection and if I'm going to be accessible to somebody else, maybe the first step is also, am I questioning, am I accessible to, to myself? Right. Mm-hmm. And if not, then why, what are the reasons for that? You know, right. and how, how much is this potentially benefiting me and how much of, of this is harming me? and my relationships if I don't have that accessibility piece. So any thoughts about that, Jason, the the sort of relationship to self piece there? Yeah, there's, this is where the therapist part of me is going to come out and say like, oh, wow, that looks like there's a lot more to talk about in therapy, <laughs> where there's a lot to unpack there to say like, hey, what are some of those barriers with self, right? Um, uh, but ultimately, I, I, I'm thinking if we go back a little bit and talk about uh, you, the listener, trying to identify some relational things uh, mm-hmm. and the larger themes being uh, oftentimes rooted in conflict, uh, rooted in some type of distancing um, and the contributing factors to that. If we kind of bridge these two parts of this conversation right now, 
I wonder how much does uh, uh, how much does inaccessibility mm-hmm. help contribute or feed into uh, more frequent or more intense conflict and or much more felt distance between you and the other, whoever that person is. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's probably a really good, at least correlation with that, yeah. right? Is yeah. is the accessibility um, and potentially some physical availability too. Yeah. Right. Because I've often seen, you know, let's say in a couple, one partner working 16 hours a day and that person might, when they're spending time with their partner, be accessible emotionally, but their availability limits the amount of connection time, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and also sometimes when we're physically exhausted, it's hard to be emotionally accessible to other people too. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a direct connection with those two pieces. Mm-hmm. I, I think so too. And there's understanding the different factors that contribute to that inaccessibility is, is important. There's going to be some surface stuff where it, I can promise that it ain't that deep, you know, where just look at it. What might make things inaccessible? Girl, if I'm tired, do I really have the energy or the capacity to to support or hold space for you to go deep into your feels? Nah. Why? Because I'm tired and I will look insensitive and I will come across insensitive and I might sound, I might hold on to this tone and this tone really tells you, I give two shits right now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so there's, uh, there's other components there that, that are more accessible, uh, for lack of a better word, um, that might be contributing to it that isn't necessarily super, super deep that I might invite others to go into therapy for, right? And these other components that might be a little bit more uh, deeper and uh, which may require uh, uh, more supportive conversations would be things involving trauma, for instance, right? Where if there's, or if we don't like that word, let's just go back for a second and say the the baggage that we hold on to, the, mm-hmm. the, the things that we've carried on uh, and that we continue to hold from once upon a time, whenever that happens to have been. And so that would be a contributing factor, a significant contributing factor to inaccessibility, but one that for the purposes of, of this episode and this podcast, it's it it wouldn't be fair to go into because it's circumstantial and it's, there's a lot more to it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to highlight that that could be a potential barrier to fulfilling connection, accessibility, mm-hmm. and sometimes even availability. Sorry, did I say accessibility and availability? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's good to highlight. Uh, but yeah, thank you for clarifying that we're not going to go too deep into that piece. And, and another thing that comes to mind is also regarding this is is the structure of life. How is my life set up? Let's think about yeah. work time, time together with others, that type of thing, which could also be maybe better served between that person and a therapist or a trusted friend to help work out what shifts structurally do I need to change in my life, mm-hmm. right? To, to have more of a fulfilling social life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ultimately what we're really saying is, is this idea of availability is important for very physically felt reasons, mm-hmm. but now it's about shifting towards uh, accessibility. And in what ways are we able to actually be uh, and know how to be 
emotionally accessible to another, especially when that other is someone who's important to me, right? Mm -hmm. So before going into all of that, here's what we're saying. Your family relationships, this is what we're talking about. The relationship that you have with your kids, this is what we're talking about. The relationship with your coworkers, this is what we're talking about. The relationship with your romantic partner or your romantic partners, this is what we are talking about. It's all of this, right? And then on top of that, I think the one thing that that takes precedent here is the relationship that you have with yourself. Bingo. Mm-hmm. This Absolutely. is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is a perfect bridge to into where we're needing to do is to learn how to become that much more emotionally intelligent. Absolutely. Well, Jason, should we start telling them how to do it? <laughs> I think we should. And I think to, to get started with that, what is it? What are we talking about? When thinking of emotional t- intelligence, probably a term that, that some, if not most of you who are listening right now, um, some may have heard it before. Some may have heard it for the first time right now. But if we're talking about emotional intelligence, let's define it. What What is this? Yeah. So, so there, what we've noticed in... Uh, people come from different, you know, ideas of what emotional intelligence is, but we've, we've found the main themes. So one of the main themes is self-awareness. Okay. And what self-awareness means is how am I feeling? Like really tuning into yourself. What am I feeling? What emotions are coming up for me right now? And here's the kicker. Why? Right. You know, some of us, it's like, okay, we might be like, for example, post-COVID at a party, right? Celebrating and being around really neat people, but then inside feeling sad? Mm. Do you know why you're feeling sad? But first of all, do you know that you are feeling sad, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and some some folks might call this to intuition, you know, is re- really being aware of your body and what's happening. I know for me, like paying attention to my gut really helps me assess what am I feeling in this in this moment so that all ties into one of the main components of emotional intelligence uh self-awareness okay are there are there others of course there are others yeah so another one is uh managing yourself so self-management or some folks know this as self-regulation and what this means is when you're having those big feels right some Mm -hmm. of us call it heightened emotions um, that you can handle that effectively, right? So take, for example, anger. When, you know, someone's feeling angry and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to go for a walk here, take a pause, maybe go journal. Okay, you're probably handling anger pretty effectively. Let's say another person is feeling anger and all of a sudden every swear word is coming out of their mouth, out of the book and onto everybody else causing an immense amount of emotional distress for other people. That would be a good example where that person is not able to manage their heightened emotions, regulate them. Okay. Does that make sense, Jason? Oh, totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's basically recognizing, uh, are you that overwhelmed or overtaken uh, by emotion that are you making an emotional decision, not in a judgmental way, but are you emotionally informed with what you're about to do 
are you more logically informed what they're about to do or are you taking more of a both and and it kind of sounds like this whole idea of self-management encompasses the the attempts of trying to do a both and mm-hmm. yeah well said I, I mean it, it is it's not about like okay not having the feels it's about having the feels but managing them uh, in an effective social way right that's not causing too much distress for other people mm-hmm and another piece to emotional intelligence is empathy. It's one of my favorite words in the Love English it. language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is empathy, right? Uh, so really it's it's sensing, it's knowing what other people are feeling. And what, you know, an example of this could be, let's say what you're with a friend, maybe you're having a great day, but your friend is having like a really bad week. But Maybe in your body, you're sensing a bit of what your friend is feeling or you're noticing in their facial expressions, their tone of voice, like something's up here, Mm -hmm. right? And you're really tuning in and you're not just only focused on your emotional experience in that moment. Yeah. Any other ideas about empathy you want to share, Jason? I think think you just really summarized it well. I I also just wanted to add when it comes to empathy – sort of just the distinction so that way we understand because mm. I'm all about like just making sure we're on the same page, right? Absolutely. So empathy, great. Really knowing what others are feeling. How does that differ from sympathy? Is it not the same thing? Oh, I love this distinction. Yeah. So the way I understand sympathy is almost like I'm feeling for you. Like, you know, you might hear, I'm sorry you're having a bad day, right? Whereas empathy is I'm feeling with you. Right. So it's like I can connect with your emotional experience and I might have emotions related to your emotional experience. Right. But that I'm not feeling for you. I'm feeling with you. I'm tuning in. I'm emotionally attuning in to you. I'm not just staying in my emotional experience and kind of giving you maybe a tad bit of pity. Right. I love it. 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 That is such I'm really now amping this up. That is a perfect uh, like therapist nugget that you're giving me. That's my little aha moment of of this conversation so far. Uh, feeling with or feeling for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I got to say is, damn, I love that. <laughs> I love it so much. My little therapist ego now just got bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you you asked me that. And and to me, there's a distinction between sympathy and empathy just that I just explained, but also compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. Compassion for me anyway comes from a bit of a, a cognitive place. My mind can really understand how you're feeling, whereas empathy is my heart is really feeling what you're feeling. Right. Exactly. And yeah. And, and I think, you know, compassion is beautiful. I think that's really great for, for uh, connections and empathy is really beautiful. It's sympathy can sometimes get us in a bit of trouble. It's putting you on a different level of things and you're not really, you know, putting in the energy to connect with the other person. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So maybe a little bit of, uh, of inauthentic, uh, inauthenticness there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a bit of a distant way to re- – like an emotionally distant way to respond to someone else's suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another main component is putting it all together, what we just talked about, these domains, in, in relationships with others, right? Mm-hmm. Is your self-awareness, your ability to manage your own emotions and connecting, feeling with other people, tying that all in mm-hmm. and – 
improving connection and enhancing relationship style, right? Whoa, have you heard that before? <laughs> sounds so familiar. It sounds so familiar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did I miss any pieces in, in your mind, Jason? No, I, I don't think so. I think the, the big takeaway here is when it comes to encompassing uh, emotional intelligence, uh, the ingredients that are necessary are, are threefold. Uh, it's the self-awareness ingredient is absolutely necessary. Uh, without it, you won't be getting to emotional intelligence. Uh, self-management or self-regulation uh, uh, piece or ingredient is necessary for the same reason. And the empathy piece is necessary uh, for the same reason. And putting them all together is one thing, but then we need to cook it right and the ways to cook it is by practicing it in a skillful way in in relationships i'm i'm it's interesting how all of these metaphors sometimes come just seemingly naturally right and it's interesting how we can all relate to food as well so mm -hmm. i'm literally thinking of baking and baking a cake right so if you're baking a cake not to get so technical about it but just if you're baking a cake uh let's go eggs flour sugar those are your three ingredients Great. So you got them in isolation. Is that a cake? No. You mix them together. So now you got a batter. Great. So you're done. So now it's time to ice it. I'm like, no, you, you, you got to cook it. And how do you cook it? Well, you put it in the oven. You turn on the oven. Well, preheat first. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you, <laughs> you would preheat the oven, put it into the oven, give it time to do what it needs to do. And then after set amount of time, bam. You got a cake, right? So in, in that same idea, this is where we're at. I am so hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, you know what? To be fair, I kind of want, I, I'm feeling like a little bit of a carrot cake. I don't know why. I, I mm -hmm. would love to have some right now. So good. That, that'll be your version of the emotional <laughs> intelligence cake is carrot cake. Mine is definitely like multiple chocolate, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> brownie fudge <laughs> i would love that too make a little lava cake moment Ooh. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right circling back let's go back to this though now that so, we're all hungry for some delicious cake absolutely um, right is is okay well how the heck do we put it all together and make this cake and you know i think you highlighted some a great piece there that cool to have the ingredients let's say you're missing one of those ingredients. Mm -hmm. Ah, right. And I've certainly seen this like, okay, awesome. Clients who are, you know, are myself, super self-aware. Great. Oh, I've got the, has the empathy unlock. Uh-oh, self-management of your emotions. Eee, right. Mm -hmm. Because what that can do is you might be very well tuned into a couple of these ingredients, but then missing that third ingredient still can create such distance mm -hmm. in your relationships with other people. And so I think one of the key pieces to this is take what we've told you today and really reflect on, okay, where am I at with these ingredients? Yeah. Right. Are they in my cupboard? I'm just not picking them out or do I have to go grocery shopping? Like do I have to mm -hmm. do some, you know, more steps to really get them at least in the cupboard is mm -hmm. ingredients mm -hmm. um or am i just about pouring but maybe i'm pouring not enough in to the batter right now Ooh, i'm liking this metaphor <laughs> right it works i'm telling you it works beautifully because it's about creating with different components right and there's different components that are always going to be involved in everything that we do so it's just about recognizing uh 
what to what weight to what volume to what what's the measure of these components and mixing it all together in a very particular way will yield different results all of the time so what's the desired outcome and what do we know uh, ingredients wise would be necessary if i want a carrot cake and kind of kind of need carrots without it it's not a carrot cake right <laughs> so if i keep making things without if i keep making carrot cake without carrots and complain at the fact that fuck i really wish that this was a carrot cake um Note to self, Jason, rewind. You need carrots for a carrot cake. Why are you not understanding that? Or why are you judging that? Or why are you sort of, I don't know, but just why are you getting upset over the fact that there's an ingredient that is missing, pivotal, like it's it's vital here in like, hi, it's called a carrot cake. The same thing, like, let's make a chocolate cake. Just, I, I got no chocolate. All right, well. That's a shame, Jason. That that is a shame. (laughs) Carrots, I'm cool with that, but chocolate, come on. (laughs) That was too much. That was too too much. much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I think what came came to me as you were talking about this was like, yeah, how many times do folks say, you're not putting the carrot in the batter to their partner, to other people, right? They can sometimes easily identify what the other person isn't doing enough of or not doing at all. And instead being like, am I putting in all the ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. And make that a key step here. You know, we often invite our clients is, you know, if you're coming to therapy to have the other person change, uh uh-uh, that's not going to work right? It's actually about you. What shifts and changes are you willing to make? Are you open to make and are actually going to put time and effort into making? Are you going to put the time and effort to look where you can find carrots and go find those carrots and bring them home? Yeah, right? totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the perfect way to, to really uh, differentiate between those questions that get you to a very narrow place in the conversation. What I mean by that is, um, uh, you had phrased it, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here, but so- you had said something to the effect of, um, am I uh, mm-hmm. contributing to uh, the carrots or the ingredients or the whatever, uh, more as a yes or no, right? And I think sometimes if we look at it that way, uh, that can easily invite you into feeling righteous and you must be defensive. And of course I am. How dare you? You think that I'm not, I'm putting in all, I have all the carrots. I have the best carrots. They're this, this, that, that it's you, right? And that's exactly what we're trying to avoid and prevent. So the shift there would need to be who cares about yes or no, uh, the outcome that you're experiencing right now. Do you like it that you can answer yes or no? Cause chances are a no. Cool. So now that you don't like it, Ask yourself this instead, not am I, but in what ways am I contributing to the undesired outcome? Oh, love it. Yes. Because for you to say I'm not is not true. That would assume if you're not contributing to it, that means that there is no relationship there. That means that you're not present and equally that you're not either available or accessible, that you're not a variable that we need to be talking about. And yet, how could that be so when it's like, me and my husband, me and my wife, me and my partner, me and my this, me and my that. It, it, we're still talking about you, though. So, yes, yep. you're a variable. Oh, I love, I love how you said it, right? And, it, you know, this idea of, like, how am I getting in the way of the desired income? And what can I shift? What can I do to help us move towards the desired outcome as well? Yeah. And, 
and to center that question is okay where am i at in these these domains of emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. you know what one thing i really see between um people is is a reduced empathy sometimes even lack of empathy for each other right and I, i invite folks to reflect on right now in this moment do you have the emotional capacity to hold on to your own pain while also take in the pain of the other person, hmm. right? Assess in that moment. And if you're assessing that I'm not, then it's like, okay, the, the direction is, what do you need to do to make sure your emotional capacity is at the ability to do relational work mm-hmm. where you can hold on to your own pain alongside the pain of the other person? Because without empathy, it's very hard to heal wounds that are happening between people very hard to feel connected right and so i think there's some like skill building opportunity sensing where your emotional levels are at where your ability to regulate your emotions are and how aware are you of your own emotions right Mm -hmm. totally and i think that's exactly if we circle back a little bit when talking about um well let's define emotional intelligence and what is what is it? Because there we're highlighting that there's these four different key ingredients that make it up. And okay, well, here's what we've been talking about this entire time: that emotional intelligence really speaks to um, how well we handle ourselves and our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right, and 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 here's the way in which, uh, or the ways in which we are able to uh, measure or assess or pay attention to or attune to. Um, handling ourselves and handling our relationships. So self-awareness, uh, self-management, building on empathy, and then putting it all together at, under the right circumstances, uh, aka put it in the oven okay. uh, and, and put it to work, right? Mm-hmm. And I think leading with a little bit more, I want to either say kindness or compassion in, in knowing that if you're trying this for the first time, do you think you're going to get it right, bang on, right out of the gates? Nah. Here's mm-hmm. a more likely scenario, not because I have no faith in you listening, but I, I am just being real that you're probably going to, to fuck it up, period, in, not in the best ways. You're, you're probably going to screw it up. And you know what? That's OK. That has to happen because all of our growing and learning and changes, all of that stuff, it happens uh, in, in our errors, in our faults, in the areas that make us feel uncomfortable. That's where most meaningful learning happens. So if we can lead a little bit more kindly with let's give ourselves space to to fumble a little bit and over time become better at it. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're fostering greater emotional intelligence for ourselves, which as a result, all of our other relationships will benefit. Mm. Absolutely. And tying into that, you know, with the metaphor is I can recall way back when the first time I've tried to make any type of cake, I think that cake was perfect. Absolutely nope. not. Right. No. Was it still kind of good? Yeah. Did it still have, give me some pleasure, some benefits in life in that moment? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's like, it doesn't mean, okay, let's say you fuck it up. Okay. Welcome to being human. Right. The first mm-hmm. time you're trying these things, it doesn't mean that it's, not going to benefit you. Right. And I love that you said like approaching this with kindness and some self-compassion, you know, I think that's a huge piece to this and, and that it's going to be rewarding, even if it's not perfect, 
And Jason, I think we should talk about some ways in which this could really benefit relationships, putting this all together. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think that's exactly where we're at now is thinking, well, if you're going to be quite emotionally intelligent or you're fostering that you're working on that, that you know, self-awareness or how woke you are for self, <laughs> uh, self-management, you know, you got this. When when push comes to shove, you're feeling a little bit, you know what to do. Um, uh to ways to, to handle that that feeling or that emotion effectively and you know what you can feel with other people uh, mm-hmm. uh, at that same time and putting it all together here's what happens the first thing that comes to mind for me i don't know about you crawling but for me i think of families uh, yeah. first and foremost so it's it's great and trust me i i love working with romantic relationships i think you know that we both do and uh, and that's exactly what we're actively working on uh, in in sort of Relationship Matters Therapy Center because we're aware of all of these different things. So for me, the when I think of families, I think of um, uh, parents and kids, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but I've had many couples who are also parents who the way I'm interpreting it is in either a confident or excited way or in a certain way, they tell me, oh, we never fight. Oh, and we never fight in front of the kids. Like, no, 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 no. We never, ever do that. So I don't know if that's to, to help with brownie points or, or what. Because um, when I hear that, and I'll be clear about this in a second, when I hear that, a part of me goes, oh, no, why not? Like, what a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have that same part, Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, of, of course, I'm not trying to say like that. That part of of what a missed opportunity is there on the condition. It is conditional. Mm-hmm. It's on the condition that the ways in which the fighting or the the argumentation or the conflict, whatever you want to call it, the ways in which you fight is emotionally intelligent. Bang on, yes. Yep. I was just thinking, I, you know, I use the term, I've been fighting in a connecting way mm. with people, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the same thing as the, uh, you know, emotional, intelligent way of, of fighting, of, of conflict. You know, are you fighting in a way that's emotionally regulated, right? Manage Self-management. Are you fighting like saying, things suck blah 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 and your kids are seeing that yikes what are you teaching your kids also right that's exactly you're actually teaching them it's okay to not self-manage your emotions it's okay to call people names it's okay to hurt other people's feelings in this way right and and i would push that too to say like look not just that it's okay this is how you do it Mm -hmm. that's right most importantly like you're you're normalizing it on one piece but you're also teaching like the ways if you're a parent if you're a human being listening to this hi but so here's one way that you would have learned and that we all learn uh, a lot of the different things particularly when when we're young one of our like primary resources or, or, or things that we have access to to learn is observational mm-hmm. we use our eyes right mm-hmm. and we can if you think of a baby and and you have you're playing with the baby cute baby assuming there's no tantrum and, and crying and whatever because that can change things for some <laughs> but um uh you're playing with the baby baby's there uh laughter happens because you're doing something 
the baby's making an association that, mm-hmm. oh, wait, there's an adult here who's doing something that I think is funny. So I'm going to start laughing. Oh, wait, the more I laugh, the more that this funny thing happens. So I'm going to keep laughing and then I'm going to keep laughing and so on and so on and so on. At, at what point did this baby have a coherent conversation with another adult to say, hi, adult, I really appreciate how you're making me laugh. Could you please do that again? No, <laughs> you're, you're teaching this baby through doing because the baby is exactly. taking this in visually. So in that same spirit, like that's what you're doing as parents is you're modeling. How is it that you and another human being can uh, interact and yet still disagree or interact uh, and agree or come to conclusions or, or fix emotional wounds in helpful ways? Yeah, exactly. And I think we often forget that kids are like energy sponges. Mm-hmm. So when, let's say, parents are like, we we don't fight. They've never seen us fight. Well, guaranteed there's something that is pissing you off because that's just every relationship. Mm-hmm kids can pick up on the energy of that and yet they're Mm -hmm. not what they're actually learning is we don't we ignore the tension we're feeling in our bodies we're not actually going to work to resolve it Mm -hmm. we're not going to talk about it we're just going to have to almost keep the peace we see that a lot is people who feel like they have to keep the peace which means invalidating their own emotional experience and not setting boundaries like hey this isn't okay right Mm -hmm. and and that's not just like what you know kids see with their parents, but also how parents respond to the kids' emotions, right? Is that sometimes, you know, kids might have, because they're learning, difficulties regulating themselves. So they have, let's say, the tantrum and the parent goes, you're bad. Mm -hmm. Or they're so angry, they get, they start yelling at the kid. Well, you're teaching the child that, you know, how not to self-manage their own emotions in addition to that, you're sort of associating them being bad for their emotional experience. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't be necessarily what we would recommend in terms of emotionally intelligent relationships with kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Instead, it's more like, hey, you know, from a very self-managed place, how are you feeling right now? What's going on? Helping the kid identify, right? The self-awareness piece, helping the child be self-aware of what what they're experiencing, which Hey, I don't have kids. I can imagine it's very hard, right, to remain emotionally regulated when you're getting screamed at and you're probably, you know, some sleep deprivation. That Mm -hmm. might be a time to see if you can get someone else who's more grounded, an adult who's grounded to talk to the kid instead if you need a break. Mm -hmm. So it almost sounds like you're wanting to learn how to become that emotional coach uh, Ah. for, for for your child, right, as the parent there. And of yeah. course, we're specifically focusing on on parenting relationships here, but this could also absolutely apply um, just in different ways, of course, to other relationships, right? So being that emotional coach uh, for your partner, uh, being that emotional coach for your friend, for a family member, assuming you have the capacity, but also assuming that you have the skill set, the ingredients mm-hmm at the ready. Plus you you got an oven that works. Yep. (laughs) All the better. Exactly. I love the word. I love the word coaching. It's it's modeling. It's really you practicing it yourself really encourages others to practice it too, because they're Mm -hmm. feeling the benefits of having you 
do that for them with them right and so everything that we were just talking about with with uh you know family and and being parents like you said applies to all relationships everything we just said applies to all relationships and how it can improve your connection with them Wow. And I think that's a perfect segue to get us uh, into slowly just wrapping up and uh, reminding everyone, hey, you know what? Emotional intelligence is absolutely necessary. It's absolutely important. And there's ways that we can start to work on this today uh, because, hey, we've highlighted those four ingredients. Um, if uh, if you want to know a little bit more uh uh, about these these different things, then uh, a few resources that we're going to share with you. So first and foremost uh, uh, is that we, uh, as a clinic, we really do want to provide as much information as possible uh, to as many people as possible. So to that, uh, make sure to check out our blog that we have uh, that we follow a schedule that every uh, usually at the beginning of the of the week on a Monday. Um, the second and third Monday of every month, but there's a, usually a new post out. Um, so this month we'll be focusing on emotional intelligence. So please feel free to listen to this or finish listening to this if you're already here. Uh, read the post that should be available uh, soon, depending on when you're listening. And also connect with us on social media. We're we're having these conversations all of the time and we'd love to engage with uh, each and every one of you. So uh, if you want to drop a comment or, or give us feedback in any type of way, uh, you can connect with us on Instagram. Our uh, handle is Relationship Matters Therapy or at Relationship Matters Therapy. Uh, we're also on Facebook, uh, although to be fair, more active on Instagram <laughs> than Facebook. Um, and uh, if all else fails, just send us an email with any type of uh, question or even recommendation for future episodes that you'd like for us to talk about. So the email would be admin at relationshipmatterstherapy.com. Mm-hmm. And we also just wanted to mention this too, that say we you have specific questions for us, maybe you're we're wanting more. Um, well, if that's the case, you can check us out on uh, at the end of the month on our Ask Us Anything series. This can be found on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so check out our page and we on the link in our bio is where you can ask the questions. And uh, it's all anonymous. We don't know who is asking that question. And then we go live on the last Saturday at 1 p.m. every month. And there we answer your questions. And if say you can't make it during that time, well, that's recorded and put on our Instagram page. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Just, sorry. Just one last thing is that uh, if you're listening to this, there's also going to be some uh, things in the description of this episode. We're going to link some resources there for you, where if you wanted to, uh, there's a few YouTube videos that talk about uh, emotional intelligence uh, that we're going to link, which is really phenomenal, um, uh, which uh, it's, it's going to be linked to a, a psychologist, Daniel Goleman who introduces the concept of emotional intelligence. We'll also have a few other resources there. So other uh, uh, blog posts of from others. Uh, I'm thinking the, the Gottman Institute will have something there for you as well. So check those resources out. Check us out online. Um, and to that, Until I guess next- this- Yeah, Yeah, until next time, enjoy improving your connections and enhancing your relationships. We'll talk to you later. Bye.